What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Lacrosse Now. I am Travis Seldridge back with you again. We have a terrific show. I think you're really going to like it. Two huge name guests in the coaching world joining us here this week. The NLL uh, had a bunch of games this past weekend. We're not going to touch on that. We'll get to more NLL stuff next week, but very heavy on the college lacrosse stuff on this on today's show. And uh, the guests really speak for themselves. We'll be joined by current Duke head coach, Team USA head coach, getting ready for the 2023 World Championships out in California. John Donowski joins us. We'll talk about the Blue Devils look ahead, looking ahead to their 2023 season this spring. Also, about that roster for the Team USA men's national team that was just released uh, here in the last week or so. Talk about some of the difficult decisions Coach Donowski had to make here in, in that coaching staff. Never an easy situation when trying to pick the 23 best men's players in this country. Never easy. Always guys that probably could make that team that get left off. So we talk about that in Duke with Coach Donowski. And then we will be joined by the head coach of the Stony Brook women's program, Joe Spolina, obviously high expectations again for them. New conference, they're now in the CAA, so we are proud to partner with Stony Brook now. We'll have a chance to broadcast some of those Stony Brook women's games this year. Uh, top four, top five in some of these preseason polls that are being released. We'll talk about those expectations with Joe Spolina and also about now being a college lacrosse dad as his son, Joey Spolina is now wearing number 22 up, up there at Syracuse, so we'll hit on that at the end of that interview. So two terrific guests with Coach Donowski and Coach Spolina. But I want to kick things off with the big news in college lacrosse over the last week, and that is the news of another legendary head coach calling it a career. Head coach Bill Tierney out at Denver saying that 2023 will be his last season as the head coach of the Pioneers his last year in the coaching profession, at least as a, as a head coach, after spending a number of years at Princeton, obviously winning six national titles there, taking his talents out west to Denver, winning a national championship with the Pioneers. I mean, the accolades speak for themselves. He is one of the greatest to ever do it in, in the profession. Seven national titles and all is the only coach, uh, the first coach to win a national championship at two division Two different Division I programs, obviously a Hall of Famer, one of the winningest coaches in Division I men's lacrosse history. But I want to talk about my experience with Coach Tierney here on the show um, because he is always, the thing that's always stood out to me, despite the fact that he has accolades that list off forever, he's always been extremely kind with his time. Since the second I got here to the network, every interview that we've done with him it's been slotted for five to ten minutes to talk about Denver and, and what they have going on, expectations for the year, coming off a big win or getting ready for a big game and a matchup, a top ten type showdown. And every time, I swear, the interview for, that was supposed to be five or ten minutes ends up being 30 or 40. I mean, there are times we have to move some other stuff off to the side and push things back because he's taken up more time. And every one of those conversations has been incredibly enjoyable. And so I want to thank him for all the time he's given. I ho hopefully we have a chance to catch up with him a couple more times uh, before this 2023 season comes to a close and before he calls it a career. But his, his ability to just to not only talk about what's going on with his program, but it's always been so interesting to talk about the broader landscape of lacrosse with him because obviously he, he saw it from the – side of the East Coast and the Blue Blood, 
program and in, in taking over Princeton and creating the, the dynasty he did there. And then he decided to help the sport and, and move west and do something that not a lot of coaches have done in this sport, and that is try to win in a different part of this country. And he did it. He, in 2015, it all culminated in a national championship for Denver, the, the first one in that program's history. So I, I really am appreciative of, of all the time he's given us here at LSNL Across TV and for me because I was thinking about what I was going to say for this, and I, I was thinking about how much time he would give us in every time we've sat down with him, including uh, just a couple weeks ago, by the way, if you missed our last interview with Coach Tierney it happened toward the end of December. So just go back on through YouTube or uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast. And you can take a listen to our conversation uh, with Coach Tierney entering this 2023 season. But I, I remember back to my days at Syracuse. And when I was a student at Syracuse, we obviously covered the lacrosse program because the Syracuse lacrosse program is so great. Um, and we broadcast the games at WAER, a local NPR affiliate that does Syracuse University sports. Uh, up in Syracuse, New York. And when he first took the job at Denver, obviously it was a big story in the lacrosse world, and we wanted to get him on for an interview. Well, not only did he do one interview with us that year, he did multiple interviews with us. I was actually lucky enough to, to talk to him toward the end of the season in his first year there at Denver, uh, actually leading into a game which ultimately won them a conference title against Loyola when they were playing at the Broncos Stadium uh, at the end of that 2010 season. And it's just, thinking back on that now, a guy who had won six national championships at that time, has all these different things probably buzzing around of him leading a brand new program that's trying to win a conference championship. And he had time to talk to a couple of student journalists from Syracuse not once but multiple times for lengthy conversations because we were trying to get as many answers as we could for different feature stories we were trying to produce for our radio broadcast leading in and out of the Syracuse uh, men's lacrosse broadcast we were doing and just thinking back on that now makes me just realize the the type of special person he is not only for me now as a professional having a chance to, to catch up with him and having him give a, as much time as he has to us now, but also the amount of time he gave me as just a student journalist at Syracuse when he probably could have picked about 15 other things that were more important to do, but he took the time to do radio interviews uh, with us for those stories. So I've always been appreciative of the time that he has given us, and uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit more time to, to chat before his uh, coaching career at Denver is over. But good luck to Coach Tierney here in his final go-around and uh, very much always appreciate the time. So speaking of great coaches, one of the other winningest Division I coaches in the men's game, Coach John Donowski at Duke. Had a chance to catch up with him today, getting ready for the Blue Devils 2023 season. Take a listen. We've got Duke head coach John Donowski joining us, which we look ahead to 2023. And uh, Coach, you're, it's a kind of strange offseason for you guys knowing that you're not coming off an NCAA tournament run last year. I wonder what what's that feeling like? What's it been like around this team in the fall and now as you look ahead to 2023? Uh, we, you know, we had a terrific fall. It was uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, guys, you know, worked really hard. Um, you know, we, we did things a little bit differently. Uh, we worked up until the, you know, the last absolute day that we could practice by NCAA rule. 
um, really got back to the fundamentals and the basics of the game. Um, but, you know, this guy's they did an unbelievable job in the classroom. Um, somewhere the team GPA, we're still trying to figure it out, but it's a little under a 3.5. You know, uh, 49 guys out of 51 had a 3-0 or better. So, um, you know, they, they're compliant, the task, you know, at hand. And last year is in the rearview mirror. You know, it's, it's just, um, I don't think, you know, I, I guess somebody might use it as a story at some point, but I, I don't know that it's important to anybody here other than here's, this is where we are today and, and let's just be with our feet are. I mean, that's that's how you have to look at it. And you guys have a, a lot coming back from that team. Obviously, plenty of talent. Uh, what was the message here in the fall and in the spring? Let's have fun, you know. Let, let's have fun and let's let's try to have this extraordinary experience together. You know, let's try to get to know our teammates really well. Let's try to put the, all the distractions aside, um, you know, social media, other things that are so unimportant in your life. Um, let's really try to focus on your schoolwork, your family, you know, the team, playing lacrosse, you know, just just being a kid. One of those kids you have that's a special talent is Brendan O'Neill. And we were doing another segment. We were talking about him as a freshman. And I think it's been a lot of fun to watch him now kind of come to his into his own as a player and a leader uh, um, as part of your offense over the last couple of years. How different is it to see Brennan now on that end of the field as it was opposed to when he was a freshman joining your team? You know, um, what Coach Matanowski does on the offensive end um, is, is not, not simple. Um, it might seem simple when it looks right, but there's a lot that goes on. And I think that Brennan has become what you would hope your attackman to be. And that's a coach on the field who really is in sync, you know, with Matt, who understands what it is that we're trying to accomplish, you know, how we're trying to play, um, you know, where the looks are, what the defense is trying to accomplish. You know, there's only, there's only so many things the defense can do, right? Right. You can slide from inside. You can slide adjacent. You can fake slide. You can play zone. Um, but, you know, where's the first slide coming from? Where's the second slide coming from? Um, and, and Brennan's IQ um, has, has just grown tremendously. Talking to Lars Tiffany about this earlier here in the offseason about just dealing with the influx of talent. And you guys have been lucky enough, whether it's through recruiting classes or transfer report or whatever. I mean, you got a whole host of talent. You got talent all over the field. How have you learned to coach that talent and the best way to try to plug people into the right pieces, places where you ultimately get the best out of that group? Like, how, what have you learned over the last several years about how you do that? You know, again, I, I don't know if we've learned anything. It's, it's I, I think that, um, you know, the rules are still the same. You know, it's, there's, there's this tendency when you have 50 years that you really kind of don't want to like those guys because they're going to take away a spot um, you know, from somebody that you've been working with for one, two or three years. But then you, you realize very quickly that these are great kids and your, your, your returning players, they couldn't care less if somebody's a fifth year or a freshman, the best players play and they want those guys to play. So it's, it's, and, and, you know, again, we've never had a bad experience socially guys fit in really well. 
And even though there's some trepidation early, um, it, that never really that never really comes to fruition. So it's um, you know that's just a little bit of overthinking it. Um, and it's the best players play. And then it's about chemistry. It's about experience. It's it's about trying to um, not necessarily do things quote our way, but do things you know that are efficient and that put the team in best position to be successful. And uh, again, it's not easy coming, you know, when guys come from different programs because they've got habits that they've developed over four years. So it takes time to build that chemistry and, and to grow that, you know, and, and to grow the personality of a team. Does coaching Team USA and, and dealing with all the talent you have there, has that helped translate to dealing with all the talent you've had uh, on campus? You know, the, the thing that still trumps everything else is is chemistry. Yeah. Chemistry trumps talent, you know, when the talent's equal. Now, sometimes teams are just more talented than you, and, and that's just how it goes. But, you know, for us, you know, we, we, um, we love the idea of building a team. We love the idea of guys playing for each other. Um, you know, whether it's Duke on the chest or USA on the front chest, it, it is about playing for each other, you know, and developing, um, you know, understanding, your, you know, being humble. Humility is really important part of what we try to teach uh, unselfishness, team first. And in this day and age, that's not easy. You know, it's not easy when, you know, likes and dislikes and, and you know, again, some of that stuff um, will determine if you can make some extra NIL money. Or you, you know, greater popularity in the PLL, you know, all that stuff, um, you know, all that stuff is uh, affects, you know, a student's performance. You guys uh, have the opportunity to host Denver in February, and it may be the last time you have a chance to coach against uh, head coach Bill Tierney with his announcement uh, here in the offseason. What has it been like to go up against him throughout your two careers? It's, it's been awesome. You know, we go back to the Hofstra Princeton days and, um, you know, where we, uh, where we would, um, you know, play uh, each other and uh, now Denver and Duke and, um, you know, Billy is such a fiery competitor. His teams are so fundamentally sound. He always has a great staff with him. He, he's, he's smart enough to surround himself with some really great lacrosse people. Dave Metzbauer, you know, and now Matt you know, at Denver. And, and so it's, um, you know, always, always a challenge and always a pleasure. Anytime you get to coach against the hall of fame coach, you know, it's got to get you fired up. What's the best way to sum up coaching against him? Um, you know, as an opposing coach, you got to keep your cool, <laughs> you know, cause you know, uh, coach will get after the officials a little bit and, and if you don't get after the officials, you feel like you're letting your team down. And so then you end up maybe getting out of character a little bit. And uh, you've got to be um, got to maintain your discipline. That's for sure. We talked a bunch about the offensive end of the, the ball for you guys. But I think defensively may be your strength in terms of some of the guys you have back. Obviously, going to have to figure out the goal situation a little bit. But in terms of close defense, you got a lot of talent on that end. What kind of comfort does it give you when you have those kind of pieces back on that end of the field? You know, the whole story. Um, hey, um, everybody's back. 
You know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, um, you know, we've got some older guys, you know, who have logged a lot of minutes and, and, um, and so experience counts, right. And that's important. Um, but we have some younger guys who are ready to compete, you know, and, and ready to play and um, the ability to maybe play more people. Um, maybe we'll be a little fresher. Uh, maybe we can extend the field a little bit, the perimeter and um, you know, and make people work off the ball, um, you know, those are all things that, uh, you know, that we need to consider here in the preseason. Uh, I want to, before we let you go, ask about Team USA here for a second, because you guys obviously uh, have your roster for next summer for the World Championships. What was it like going through the process here now the second time around? It was much harder, much harder. Um, the first time around, I think we had it figured out a little bit earlier. Um, the talent was so similar. I mean, we were splitting hairs um, at the end. The last two nights down in Orlando, when we were trying to pick the travel team, you know, all 46 guys had made the team, or 48, I think. But, yeah, we have to pick a travel team. And, you know, you can make an argument for every guy. You know, you can make an argument for guys who weren't there. Yeah. You know, um, so close. Again, we were looking for chemistry. We were looking for, um, uh, you know, who who's going to make each other better. Um, we like guys who have been cut before, so to speak, who didn't make the travel roster because they're hungry. Uh, you need some older guys because you need that experience. Um, and and so it was just so – this was much more difficult, um, much more difficult than the first time around. Um, and um, – you know, the way these guys handled themselves in every training session we had, every meeting, they were the consummate professionals. I mean, we were shaking. You know, we had tears in our eyes. You know, when we announced the team to everyone, we shook everybody's hands. We looked them in the eye. I mean, we had tears in our eyes. I mean, it was like it was really a hard thing to do. Um, and um, and I, my heart goes out to the guys who didn't get to travel this time. But I do believe that the next team will be even better than this one. Uh, there's some really, really incredible young talent. And um, I, I believe that the, the program is kind of set in place for success, you know, for the next couple of, uh, next couple of runs. Well, and I think that's got to be one of the hard parts is that you got young guys who are coming up, but they may have an, another run. And so then I and then you, you mentioned the experience like you want guys who've been part of that because the international game's different than the PLL. It's different than college. It's it's a different animal. And when you're trying to win a goal by one game against Canada in the gold medal, like you, you probably want some guys who have been there before. How much does that weigh on the balance of some guys who are new and inexperienced at that level at the international game and guys that have maybe been a part of a roster or two? And that's correct. And, and you know, in, in 2018, you know, we had guys who lost in 2014. We had guys who got cut in 2014 or didn't make. And so, you know, you had hungry guys. You had guys who had who suffered the, the you know, what it was like to get to the, to the last weekend or the last game and lose. And so, you know, uh, it, that was easier, you know, now, um, you know, it's going to be a little tougher now, you know, you have, you've, you've won the gold medal, but I think the guys realize how difficult it is. They're going to add another game. You need maturity. You need a, a sense of discipline. 
Um, and you need an incredibly high IQ in order to be successful. Uh, and that's just not from one or two guys, but that's from the entire 23 guys. They have to understand and winning has to trump everything. The, the individual aspect of the game, you know, um, one, one of our biggest um, kind of mantras was, you know, Rob Pinnell was, quote, you know, uh, all-world attackman, right, whatever that means. He had one point in the last game. Yeah. You know, after 80 minutes of lacrosse, he had one point, and that was the assist that wins the game. And I think Rob would tell you he was delighted with the way he played. You know, he had second assists. You know, he, he made great decisions with the ball. And, um, you know, without a shot clock and, and without, um, without counts, um, you know, some of those decisions that you make are just magnified. You know, 2018 was a big deal. Uh, being in Israel was a unique experience, but there's a lot being put on this 2023 World Championships with the Olympics possibly looming and it being in the United States. How have you looked at the importance of this, not only just for Team USA trying to win another gold medal, but also for the greater vision of the sport? To be honest, I haven't thought about it at all. <laughs> you Fair. know, uh, between, um, uh, you know, between what we do here at Duke and uh, the, the, ta the time that we spend with USA lacrosse, um, just getting the roster was such a, um, you know, was so important. And you're right, you know, the experience in Israel was once in a lifetime. You know, the opportunity to visit Jerusalem, um, the opportunity to be in Israel. Um, I, I never would have set foot, you know, in, in uh, you know, in the Middle East. Um, never mind, you know, to be coaching lacrosse in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it was an incredible life experience. This is going to be a little bit more normal. You know, it's going to be um, in the United States. It'll be a little bit more... Um, you know, mainstream, I guess you would say. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see you guys compete uh, out in San Diego this summer. But first, we get a chance to see you guys uh, on the field with Duke uh, this spring. Can't wait to see you guys back. Good luck as you get ready here in January, and uh, we'll talk here sometime down the road. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate all the yes, time. Yes, sir. Th thank you for your time today. This was awesome. So excited to be joined by Stony Brook head coach Joe Spelina. And Joe, we're excited because we got a new partnership. You guys are in the CAA. We're going to have a chance to see your team a couple of times uh, throughout the season here on Lacrosse TV. So welcome uh, to the new conference. Can't wait to, to see this team. What's it like for you to get ready for playing in the CAA? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? We're changing conferences. But we do have a lot of familiarity with the teams. You know, I think when you look at the NCAA bracket the last couple of years, the last lot of years, it's, it always seems to match up the CAA and the America East champions early. Um, so we've gotten, you know, we also, I think travel wise makes sense for us to play a lot of those CAA schools, non-conference, but now, um, you know, now obviously we're in the same conference. So we're excited. It's, it's different teams that, you know, are guaranteed to play every year within conference. And, you know, we think this sets us up um, RPI wise to strengthen our conference schedule, which puts a little less stress. Well, although we didn't take advantage of that, um, in, in making sure that we have, a, a powerful non-conference schedule. So we kept our non-conference schedule as is. And, um, we think that the added RPI points from playing in, in such a great conference as the CAA is something that, you know, we're excited to embark on, on this new adventure, you know, with our, our squad. Look, as you know, probably better than most, 
it's in college sports especially it's not like a one-year thing for a programs in a CAA or America East like yourself like it's a building process you prove to people that hey we belong in the national conversation and then maybe the next year you're there to start well you guys have proven it now year after year and the expectations about as high as you can get in the top four here in some of these preseason polls how have you learned to handle and deal with those expectations now that you guys are there in the national conversation every year? Well, I think I was watching the, the Georgia game last night of, of that national championship game and listening, and I, I try to make it, you know, I always want to listen to the post game of the coaches, you know, and I, Kirby Smart's, you know, sustained excellence, you know, something that's built to last and to trust and develop his, his players to put them in a position to be perennial, a perennial power, you know, and that, that, was kind of when I was um, listening to him speak, like, you know, like, all right, you know, we're on th that path. Like we've been on that path, you know? And I think those are some of the things that you want to make sure, you know, that, that you are built, you know, that way that you have, a, you know, a, a program that can compete, you know, every year, you know? And I think when you look at what we've, you know, we've been able to build, it's, it's something that emulates that, you know, I think, you know, last couple of years, obviously, you know, we've had some some heartbreakers at, at the end, but I think it's also a situation where we know we're getting closer. You know, when, when the 1-8 game is the closest game every year in the quarterfinals, you know, that obviously speaks for us overplaying our, our, our seed and, and really rising to the occasion. I, I don't know, you know, if we're, we, you know, every year it seems like we're, we're our players, regardless of who we're playing, that we're able to, to answer the bell and, and give, you know, put our best foot forward. You mentioned those players, and, and clearly you have had a ton of really special players, especially here over the last five, six years with this program. And Ellie Macera is getting a lot of recognition, deservedly so now in the preseason after the year she had last year. Compared to, like, all the other talent you've had, what makes her stand out, what she's done here so far in her career, and what you expect this season? I, I think when you look at the greats that have put our jersey on and just the day in and day out, um, you know, she's obviously, listen, all those kids are fierce competitors. I think her ability to attack different ways is, you know, I could put her behind the, behind the cage and she could be one of the best attackmen in the country. I could put her on as a wing dodger and she could be one of the best, you know, a mids in the country dodging off those wings and the elbows, or I could put her up top center. Um, I think the, her ability to attack in different ways from different spots um, makes her different, you know, and I think that that just, you know, makes her so much more dangerous. Um, you know, and I, I think she's probably has a high level mix of, Hey, um, you know, I could be a passer today, or I could be a Dodger today based on how the defensive game plan, um, is laid out. And, you know, I think she's one of those where, you know, I, I, her competitive nature has been, thing that that has been so so impressive obviously her skill set she's a freak draw circle I mean, she legitimately checks all the boxes and you know i saw like the player countdowns and all those things there's not a more complete player or a player that impacts any lineup i'm not and it's not a knock on any place just like how if you take any other player in the country and if they were asked to do what we asked her to do i'm not sure there's many if any that could you know be able to to do that. And I, I think the coolest thing, and, and you know, I have a, a younger daughter now um, who's getting ready to, to go through it. I too, but one that's getting ready to go through. And I think the thing with 
Ellie, which has been super impressive to me. She left, she ended the year, had a great game against Carolina at the end and um, finished the first or second team All-American, depending on, on what we're looking at, right? There's a bunch of different releases. Um, and she came back way better. And th- that is very, very, very odd in, and that includes Kylie or you know, a lot of those kids were at their peak and they just dominant at their peak. And I thought Ellie was pretty close last year when we left. And when she came back, she was even better and just more dominant. And I think what happened with her is her personality is, you know, she, she really, I think she realized how damn good she was, you know? And I think she's like, listen, I can, no one can guard me, nobody. And she's fierce, you know, in practice, she's fierce in the lift. She's fierce. Um, And there's just, an elite mentality that goes along with you know like all the great ones just have a different way about them yeah and I I think it's so so much fun to watch probably for you as a coach when it happens to your player when it clicks when it's like all right now I'm not just competing here but I can take this to the next level and like everything I feel like slows down for people and it happens in all ways of life but sports I think it clicks it can click and really shine through well, I think one of the, we say this all the time. Like when your best players are your hardest workers, it's really hard to fail. It really is. And I think that's like that's like I want to say it's our secret potion, but it's like just kind of our best players have always been our hardest workers. And if you go through our top kids this year, like their work ethic is unparalleled. And very, you know, I I say this, I have to say less in practice than I ever have the last few years because it's a player-driven program. Our players care so much. It's so important to them that if somebody's not pulling their weight, it's internally handled. So they there's that pressure, which allows us as coaches to coach. And when we say less, but when we speak, it means more. And I think when that that's like, you know, it's something that it makes our I think it just makes us a little bit different. So look, uh, the next level for this for your program is to get over that quarterfinal hump. It's been how many times you've gotten there and it, you run into a top seed and, and you've been close. You just haven't gotten to that championship weekend. I wonder like when, like, cause you've now done this a couple of times when you have a disappointment like that at the end of the year, you're so close to where you want to be and you don't quite get there. You then come back the next year. And it's like, especially when you got a bunch of players coming back, it's hard because like they know at the end of the year what they want to do, but you got to go through all the steps again to get back there, prove that you're worth being there and then try to get over the hump. How do you approach that? Because that's a, it's a lot to come back and go like, all right, well, we want what we want at the end of the year, but we got to do this all over again. Well, I, that, that is, I, you know, I could go on for, for a day with, with that because it's hard. Like when it immediately happens, you know, you, you got to separate yourself it, 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 in a lot of ways. And I'm not trying to minimize death, but it, it, in a lot of ways, it feels that way. When you end of your season, it's hard. And I think as college coaches, you know, you have such a bond with your players. And, you know, for us, like we believe in our kids. We don't bring a million transfers in. We, we develop them. And, you know, for us, we get a lot of kids that are a little bit under the radar, um, not as much as publicized. They're freaking good when we get them. So, you know, but, but, and they, there's a great appreciation from me to them and then them in return. So it, there's a, a love there. There's, there's a, a trust there that, that is different, you know, and I think that part is hard, but it's not about lacrosse 
in our program as much as it is about the connections and and you know the the, the passion for and the care and, and of the locker room and everything that goes into it like the true pride of the program our players wear you know they they so i think there's an excitement to be around each other um you know this fall they were they were really good really good um and it was it was that you know we went and played the best teams that would that would that would line up with us and our players were awesome you know and i think there's we didn't graduate a lot we graduated some some glue kids and and you know the players we lost we were going to miss um and you look at that and it's scary i mean we legitimately bring back a large majority of our defense a large majority of our top scorers um and even looking forward as we do like we're only going to graduate probably one starter from for next year. So as loaded up as we are, I mean, it's, it's built to last. And I think that when you, when you put your effort into your players and the players put that effort back and there's a true appreciation and trust, it just builds. And, and listen, it stinks. Don't get me wrong. Like I've been heartbroken. I mean, it, it's over and over and it's hard. It really is. And, and it's hard. How do you get up and you keep being the bridesmaid and I'm tired of it. And they're tired of it. We get it. But we also know that, you know, as bad as the seeds have been um, and just, you know, are disagreeing with that, you know, my first thing has always been, and I could go on to why we deserve the better seed. I don't have to because you, it doesn't take a brain scientist to figure out why we kind of was shortchanged. But we also could have helped ourselves. We lost game to Northwest and we lost a close game to Q's. You know, we, we did some things that we can control. So in a program like us, quote unquote, a mid-major we have to leave no doubt. And that means we have to take the pen out of people's hands and, and make it so that there's not a story to be written. It's, hey, Stornbrook has their body of work speaks for itself. We don't need to try to argue it or take away from it and, and just do what we're, what we're set out to do. One of the uh, first times I heard the name Kaylin Hart is when she threw that ridiculous goal against Syracuse up at the Carrier Dome a couple of years ago when she's a freshman. I'm like, man, this this girl can play and we continue to see her scoring ability now over the last couple of years. What have you seen from her? Cause it, obviously you've had some great scores. What stands out about her ability around the crease? Well, her athleticism is, is really underrated. I mean, she can shoot the heck out of it with her left hand. She's obviously a dynamic dodger. I think she became a complete player halfway through the year. I, I think she put a lot on herself to be a goal scorer and I spend a lot of time with her understanding I just need you to be a points producer. I, and, you know, I need you to have some games you're going to have more hockey assists, some games you're going to have some more primary assists, but some games you're going to score a lot. And you can't worry about goals and assists and all those things because our offense isn't built like that. You know, it's, it's a real – it's an offense where some games you're at the end of the rainbow and you're going to be the goal scorer, and sometimes you're, you're two away, and sometimes you're one away. Um, but when we're going – a lot of that is built on on her, you know, and I think people are paying more attention to her and, you know, as they should because she's freaky good and she can hammer it. And there's a lot of times she looks a lot like number 17 looked on that left side, uh -huh. you know, and I, I think that she's um, super fast, athletic. And, and you know, she she's games now where she's like, all right, they're going to slide early to me. I'm just going to pass and step off and draw a slide, step off and pass, step off and pass. And that's I, watching that part of her game grow throughout the year made me really super proud of her because that was somebody truly understanding the game and doing what the situation asked for 
um, and not pressing early in games when she was younger, she'd press for goals. And if the goal came early, she was gold. And if the goal didn't come right away, then, you know, we chased ourselves a little bit. So she's such, you know, divert. She could be, a, uh, you know, a two and six player or a six and two player. Um, and I think that that's what the great ones have to do. Yeah. Makes them dangerous. Uh, being an assistant coach for team USA, uh, this past summer, what'd you learn through that experience? It was, it was great. We had a blast. We still had that, that group chat with Jenny, myself and, and Amy, Alex, and of course, Colleen, um, and Ryan Dennehy, who is our behind the scenes guy, who's the head coach now at Mercer on the men's side. Um, we had a blast. Right? We had true appreciation for each other. I think it's funny because, you know, Jenny and I are super close. I coached her son, Ryan, you know, in club and we are very different, obviously, you know, but we actually complemented each other's styles really well. So that was really fun where we'd laugh at each other. And then she'd, you know, she'd be a little bit more of the kumbaya and I'd be the one kicking over garbage cans. And then, you know, at times she'd be fired up and I'd be telling her to relax a little bit. And, um, you know, and I think, I think the, the chemistry with the staff was awesome, but I, I think obviously to coach all those great players um, up close and personal, you know, with, with obviously that world-class attack and, um, all those great midfielders and it was cool to just see their approach to the game from, you know, ne having never really, you know, coach against a lot of them, but not having really been, um, you know, I don't want to say stuck in a dorm room at Towson for, for two weeks, but stuck in a dorm room at Towson <laughs> for two weeks. But it was, that part was, that was awesome. There, there were um, true pros and everything that's right about women's athletics, um, true role models and every one of them. I, I, it was cool. Like even just seeing, you know, just seeing, the fanfare with Charlotte and, uh, you know, it reminded me a lot of when we had traded for Paul with the lizards. And I think I was able to kind of help her at times and protect her with some of the crap that was going on with you, whether it be with, you know, her stick garbage, you know, people trying to, to, to question her stick stringing and all those things. And, um, but she is, she is, a, she is awesome. And she, her, the best part that nobody knows, and, and I wish that there was a way for people to find out more She's funny as heck. Like she, her personality is off the charts. Um, she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I think that's why when the bright lights go on, that kid um, goes to a different level. Yeah, it was so much fun to watch that team and Charlotte and that that whole crew. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and you got a gold medal out of it. So that's uh, that's the ultimate goal, and you guys achieved it. And, I think that that it's interesting because I think the international the stage it was on could spark some major rule changes in collegiate women's lacrosse and adapt, you know, ways of adapting what's on the field and making it maybe in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, a little bit more viewer friendly and streamlined with pro and um, international and making it a little bit easier to understand. So I think there's some exciting things coming down the pike on the women's side um, that will really, I think are going to really open up the game a lot. Do you think just with like the flow of the game and less stoppages? Less stoppages. I also think that there's things being sp you know spoken about as far as you know possibly less players on the field. Um, just just things that that I think just I think the biggest thing and listen, there's nobody that I coach this sport on every level, right? Like men, boys, girls. Like my my second year second grader. You know, my, my daughter, who's a varsity, who's a 2025, I coach her club team. Obviously, my college women, Team USA. On the boys' side, obviously, years and years of club. You know, obviously, coaching 
um, all those guys. And then obviously having coached a, a couple high-end players, like I've seen it all. I think that one of the biggest, most frustrating things for me, not just me, a lot of people, is every, every level's got different rules. Yeah. And I think we have to make this, if we want to make this more viewer-friendly, you have to be able to flip a game on and understand what is going on. Um, and not like, oh, well, why are there 11 players on the field? You know, why is, why, you know, why, why are there's, you know, 12 players on the field? Why? And then on this game, there's 10 players on the field, three, 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 and one goalie, you know, where the other side. So, so I think those are things that we have got to do a better job of making the game more understandable. You know, at the younger ages, why is there no checking with young girls? you know, first, second, third graders, but there's checking with boys, first, second, and third graders, teach them how to check and learn how to check young the right way when they're most, you know, when you're able to, as opposed to having a mandatory one pass rule because nobody can play defense, kids, you know. So a lot of that stuff is, is uh, things that we could do to, to grow the game, really grow the game, not just say grow the game. And <laughs> what does that mean when people say that, right? Like we have to, there, we have to fix some things and just kind of, put everything the same so we're able to understand obviously as you get older kids are bigger faster stronger that's going to be changing itself for sure uh let me finish with this and i'm going to ask you to take the the coach's hat off and put the dad hat on because you got a you got a kid in college joey's up there at syracuse what's it going to be like to be a, a college lacrosse dad now on over the course of the weekends <laughs> throughout the spring well it's going to be crazy and i'm, I'm very fortunately going to be able to make a lot of his games just I'm going to, you know, beat the heck out of myself with travel. But, um, you know, as you know, and I, I'll do anything for my kids. So I'm excited. I, I've watched him. You know, people always ask me, oh, are you nervous with the pressure? And the answer is no. Because if you knew what he did when nobody was watching, you would not fear what he's going to do when people are. You know, he's at 5 a.m. at the gym, the work. He doesn't stop. And his focus is unparalleled. And it's exciting. I'm excited to see him walk the walk. I think he's excited to do that. I think he's excited to help bring Q's back with that awesome young class they have and the great returning players and obviously a great coaching staff. I'm excited to just go there and be a dad. I, I, when I went and watched him play in the fall, you know, I, I sit goal line extended of wherever side they're attacking and, you know, I have like, I have to sit by myself. My wife makes me sit by myself because, you know, the, I'm mumbling to myself and talking to myself and twisting and turning because I'm not used to not being on the sidelines. Um, you know, so so that's exciting. But it's it's cool, I think, as a dad to, to watch your kids chase dreams down and watch my boys, you know, that are seniors now going to be able to do it again next year and chase that Division One dream down. But I'll be lying if, you know, when I see him walk through that tunnel and their first game with that 22 jersey over his head, Knowing that, I think that's something that I'll probably be a little emotional. My wife calls me the tin man, but I'll probably be a little emotional that day. But uh, it's exciting. And, you know, I think we all want what's best for our kids. And to see him chase that dream down is pretty special. Yeah, it's freaking cool, Joe. Uh, enjoy that whole moment because you, you only get a limited amount of time of, of seeing him do it at the college level. And uh, it's going to be going to be really cool. A lot of expectations for him and them and uh, a lot of expectations for you guys, too. It's going to be a, a good spring. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys a couple of times throughout the year. And uh, we can't wait. Good luck. All right, man. I appreciate the time. You guys are doing a great job. And uh you, we know we're getting close to the season. We get to have these great combos. Yeah, for sure. We can't wait to see you guys back on the field. I would 
paying a lot of money to watch Joe Spillina just in the stands at Syracuse games. And I, I can picture it now, him kind of away from everybody else in the stands, kind of mumbling to himself watching Joey Spillina play. Uh, Joe Spillina a lot more comfortable on the sidelines than he is in the stands. But uh, good luck to him, uh, his son, obviously, at Syracuse. And good luck to him and Stony Brook, the women's team, as they get ready for 2023. Excited. Uh, coming up here in the next week or so, we'll unveil our Game of the Week schedule for the CAA for this season. We got a couple of Stony Brook women's games on there, just a, just a hint. So uh, looking forward to seeing them here on Lacrosse TV throughout this 2023 season. Something else we have on Lacrosse TV coming up this weekend, our PBLA game of the week. We got the Jim Thorpe All-Americans against the Trenton Terror Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Once again, you can see it on Lacrosse TV. If you missed any of the highlights from this past weekend's game, some uh, Fantastic goal from Bradley Voigt. Uh, Tommy Palasek making the highlights uh, in our game of the week from this past weekend. So check out the uh, Instagram feeds and the Twitter feeds for Lacrosse TV if you missed any of those highlights. And then watch again uh, PBLA game of the week Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but that, as for now, it's all the time uh, we have for you this week. We got more preview interviews coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Virginia's Lars Tiffany uh, joining us uh, to preview the Cavs 2023 season. We've got Megan Tyrell from Syracuse that'll be joining us. So make sure you stay locked into the podcast and the YouTube for interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. But for now, we'll see you later.